Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Alongside Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadows. So glad you could join us as we are getting you set for the combine and free agency over the next 60 minutes. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. So this is a special edition of the program. We're not going to take any phone calls. We're going to have a special guest. Special. Judy Batista, correct, a little bit later on in the program. She's covering the competition committee in Indianapolis at the Combine, so we'll get into that as well as some NFL headlines, news, and notes. Jeff, it's, it's been special. quite some time it's since you and I— special because you and I are back together. Indeed. Again. How is everything? Fine. Fine. I just got off the plane from Miami. and uh, it Much was better lot, weather than we're having here, It was a here, lot warmer say. there than it is here. Um, so I was able to go down and visit my son, Zach, and uh, we went down there. Sorry, taking my uh, stuff off my headphones here. Real quick. Well, you're multitasking, which is always a talent that never I gets wear hearing credit aids for you. Uh, yeah. Because I'm old. But, um, and they, I get <laughs> feedback from my headphones. Yeah. But no, it was good. I went down there to visit him, and uh, we were kicking a little bit, playing a little bit of golf. Nice. And um, it's, uh, it's all good. So now back to reality, 25, 30 degrees, and <laughs> big blue kickoff. But a lot going on in giant land here. You know, the combine is starting, so uh, the brass is down there. Not not Detino and, well, and Schmelk are there, the but they're brass. not they're not the brass. <laughs> but um, they think they're the brass. Well, I was gonna say Paul certainly does. Sure, but they're gonna give us you know a lot of insight on what's going on, and um, so it's it's fun to talk about. It's a great time of the year. You know, football is kind of we're getting to the points where we're now going to get a little analysis on these guys, and it's important that these guys do good. And most importantly, the quarterback position, in my opinion, is probably the one that is the most up in the air because. This class this year is really, you know, it's not like last year, and there's a lot of unknowns. So I said this last week on the show with John is that, to me, the most important part about the combine for a lot of these guys is the measurables. It's not so much the, you know, the 40-yard dash, things like that. It's talking with them, their height, their weights, and some of the things that they do, um, to me, is, is the most important. And, and really, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the organizations want to get in front of these guys and talk to them. That's the most important. I would agree with you. I think that's why many people sometimes make it bigger than it really needs to be because at the end of the day, Jeff, all of these scouts have been following these no players question. the entire season. The thing about it, too, is that the, the NFL Combine has become a production again. Anything that the National Football League does these days, it's a production. You got it's an the, event. You got yeah. the draft. You got this. You know, obviously, the Super Bowl, but everything leading up to the Super Bowl every single day with the NFL Network and things like that. And you know what? I like it because there's – I mean – my wife, who's been around football forever, she really gets into the combine because she likes to see these guys coming out of college. And, you know, it is it is nice to see them and how they how these guys perform. And and it's fun to watch. And uh, I enjoy it. I really do. Yeah, I'm with you, too. It's always nice to see what these prospects could do on the big stage, especially if the quarterbacks decide to throw. Yeah. I think it's telling when they have to throw to wide receivers, Jeff, that they haven't yeah. worked with during the course of their seasons. And it seems as if Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray are going to try to do as much as possible. And you know what? In a class yeah. that you pointed out, Jeff, that doesn't have nearly as much depth as 2018, I actually think it would be beneficial for some of these quarterbacks to showcase their skills at the Combine. Yeah, I think I think it's important that they do showcase their skills into this one because of the reasons that you just mentioned. And I think that, you know, for Murray, there's a lot of unknowns. And they're going to get they're going to be known here soon. His, his weight, his height, his hand size. I hear, I was reading on Twitter today. That's the big thing. It's that not is his, the latest. It's not his height, but it's his hand size. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget, if, uh, you guys love my stories once in a while. At least I think you do. Oh, absolutely. Um, back in the day when I was at Miami, I was undrafted. They, did, they had, I don't know how many rounds they had. It was a lot back then, but I wasn't drafted. 
on on pro day at Miami. It was quite the spectacle that day. Pro day, my, the, the, I didn't have a pro day, but the pro day for Miami, <laughs> guys like Michael Irvin were there. Um, Benny Blades and Brian, a lot of guys. Well, you benefited from their presence. I did, and and Coach Johnson had told me that you know you just hang around and these go, these scouts will ask you to kick for you for them, you know, later on when everybody's done. But I'll never forget. So I there was I didn't get invited to the combine, or, and there was a guy named George Myra Jr. So he was a linebacker, and he was full of himself as always. <laughs> and he came to me one day, and and he's a, he was a short guy, probably five foot eleven, maybe six foot close to six but a really good college linebacker he was so high on himself he came to me and he said do you know that i did i tested my my uh you know the what do they do the test with the hand you know from pinky to, to thumb the measurement yeah was the largest of all the linebackers at at the uh, combine that year and i'm like why are you telling me this does this really <laughs> matter but you know what back that was 30 something years ago i guess it does matter because that's all they're talking about is kyler murray's hand size Oh, it's under nine inches. I, Dave, we got a tape. Let's do it. I mean, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like, <laughs> we got to make I'm thinking like well, maybe, maybe Lance's <laughs> might be like eight or nine. I know I have pretty big hands though, you know? I'm probably going to be in the relatively low department <laughs> and we'll put it that. That's going to affect your draft status, yes. Lance. But it just goes to show you how, how things change over time. You know, does that really matter? But I guess it does. Maybe it does. I mean, when you look at an NFL football, I have one, we have one next to us here. We're not on the, we're not on camera today but um you got to have a pretty big hand to, to get your hand around that football and, and being a quarterback and throwing it so but he didn't have a problem in college fumbling well and that's the big thing college ball is smaller by the way well that's important to note so that's perhaps why the concern is being brought up now but think about it as you go sorry to interrupt you but no, as you no go worries. down the, the the order of your age junior football high school college pro the ball gets bigger as you go Thing like a basketball, you yeah. know, the basketball is different, um, you know, things like that. So that that could be a problem with an NFL football with his hand size. Well, and that's more of a reason why I think that if you run him through the drills and then he's going to have a pro day yeah. at Oklahoma, I think at least scouts will get an indication of how he can handle sure. a professional football. Yeah, and I think from what we're hearing, um, you know, really the guy can the guy can can play from the pocket. Um, so can Haskins, so can Jones, all these guys. Um, and Locke, too, right? I mean, all these guys can play from the pocket, but Murray, you know, no doubt can get out of the pocket and make things happen the way he does. Because I was watching some film on him the other day. He is something else. I mean, you don't really realize. I mean, he looks small on tape. He really does, but he moves. Man, does he move He's around. He's elusive. So it's going to be very interesting, um, you know, whether the Giants or whoever, I mean, takes this guy, that the type of offense that they're going to have to put around him you know, certainly it's going to have to to equate to some of his intangibles that he does well. You know, you just can't put him in there and run the system. But, you know, he's not six foot five. One hundred percent. You're going to have to cater to his strengths, which most offensive coordinators and head coaches in this day and age do a good job of sure. not just saying, hey, we're going to fit you into our system, Jeff. We're going to do some things that work for you. But with that being said, and I think you brought up an interesting point. You've been around this organization for quite some time. I have. When you think about the Giants, you think about the prototypical quarterback, oh, yeah. Jeff, Gotta be based big. on what they've done over the history of this franchise. And it's not to say Kyler Murray is not a good quarterback. I'm impressed with him as much as you are. I just, it's hard for me to believe that after all of these years, I know. they would go down a completely different yeah. road. Well, it is hard to believe. But you know what? And what else is hard to believe is how this league has changed. 
from years to year. And, and it's going to the point now where you're looking at these guys in the league, uh, the Deshaun um, Watsons of the world and For guys. The that, and, and really, and, and also um, come, uh, the guy from Baltimore. Come on. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. These type of athletes. Okay, now they're bigger guys, no, no question. But their athleticism and how the game is changing and how, how the quick passing game is still so good. Where, you know, nowadays you got these tight ends like Evan Ingram and, and guys, you just want to get the ball to these guys in space. Well, it's up to the quarterback. He doesn't have to sit in the pocket to get to the ball to these guys in space to make plays. You can actually design plays around their strengths to get the ball to other people. And if he can't get the ball to other people, he can run it. Now, everybody wants that guy that gets outside the pocket because basically Eli has cement boots on and nobody likes that. <laughs> but I will tell you, that throw caution to the wind, is that this can be a detriment, especially if, this, if, if, he's, if he's only 185 pounds, he's not going to last. I mean, if he can get, these, guys will, these guys will mutilate him. 180 pounds is not a you're usually 180 pounds making tackles they're not getting tackled at 180 pounds <laughs> i mean most of the running backs are 200 something pounds but you're getting my point you can you know the 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 game has changed a little bit too of lance it really has well i haven't seen his exact measurement i'm sure obviously he's been bulking up and working out i i believe that the target is that he wants to be within that 195 200 range jeff now yeah. i mean listen you've been around a lot of football players is that a range that you think is reasonable for him well, to last it, it depends on his height i mean when you have when you're six foot four six foot five and you're 230 pounds that's a big guy because you're six foot five. If you're five foot eleven, let's give him five foot eleven, and you're 190 pounds. You know that's not exactly tall and skinny. That's a little bit. You know, I mean, you can move. Yeah. But you, you know, if you're if you want him to be 210 pounds at five foot ten, that's like a little rolling ball. You know. <laughs> so meat and potatoes. So I yeah. and I don't know if he he would feel a guy like that would feel comfortable putting that type of weight on, and it would be you know it, it would be detrimental to his his success as far as speed running yeah. yeah no I think that's an excellent point because you know when you start to really break down the body weight and also you have to take into consideration Jeff he's got pads on he's mm -hmm. got the uniform he's mm -hmm. got the helmet on yeah. you take all that into consideration you're right you take away his mobility that's actually what sets him apart from There's the rest no of the question. field yeah and it, and it is quite the mobility I mean you look at if you want to go on YouTube and look at some of this some of this his games and some of the plays that he makes it's, it's pretty impressive I can see why people are intrigued about him I can see why the baseball world is yeah. intrigued about him playing center field or in playing stealing bases and you know that kind of a, a of an athlete but you know the other thing too is that I think a lot of people and Lance you might you you probably have been talking a lot about this too is the fact that you know what when you when you get in front of these guys and they ask questions what type of questions are they asking you know this Kyler Murray guy is he gonna be, are you gonna be a football player that's a big question you know and everybody's saying well you know he's he's committed to baseball but what happens if Football doesn't really work out for him the first year or two, and then is, is he going to leave? You know, so there's a lot of questions to be answered there. Which, when you're going to pick a guy in the first round and invest a lot of money in him, these are very important questions to be answered truthfully. No, I think that's an excellent point. You have the urge to maybe go back to baseball. To your point, if maybe the first two years don't go according to plan, he gets hurt or he gets benched, and then sure. you see the money that yeah. the A's are willing to offer you now yeah. to bring you up to a high-level minor league team or something, all of a sudden the conversation changes. Perfect example would be like the RG3 scenario. Yeah. You know, something like that. Um, or Drew Henson is another one that, you know, dangled oh, with oh, baseball, yeah. remember, the kid yeah. from Michigan, and then yeah. all of a sudden became an NFL quarterback. Not that yeah. he's a success story, but we've seen guys go yeah. back and forth a little bit. Yep, yep. I, I You know, 
but uh, he's he said he's he's all in. He's all he has, in. He has made that very clear. And um, I think that, you know, if you're a team that you got to believe him, um, there'll probably be some language in his contract. I would imagine if I'm, you know, on the other side here, I'm going to put some stuff in there that is going to safeguard it. So we'll see. You have to give some money back if you leave, things like that. Well, and the other thing that I think you got to put into the contract, Jeff, is in the offseason, we don't want you going out to the diamond every other day sure. and working on your baseball skill set. It's interesting because Russell Wilson, who also was a baseball player, you know, sometimes he'd make a visit yeah, to a, a visit. major league baseball team for a day a visit. with the Yankees, yeah. work out a day. But it, it, it's relevant to what happened actually in recent weeks. I don't know if you saw the video. Patrick Mahomes yeah, was out playing basketball, basketball oh, in yeah. the gym, and he yeah. was put on a clinic, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> Chiefs management <laughs> is looking at, Mahomes breaking ankles, and so, he's like, we don't want you to break your own ankle let me, here. Let me tell you something. How When I talked about how the game has changed, well, the world of digital has changed a lot of things because back in the day, I keep saying back in the day because we did this. We all played basketball. In fact, we had charity events where we played the uh, the policemen's of the world, and we had charity stuff. And we, played, we had a event. regular basketball team that we traveled around with, but it was never on tape. There was never on there video. There were no phones. There was to no nothing. Yeah. So, and then even the guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes who wanted to go play in, you know, a pickup game somewhere, no one would have known that unless he got hurt. But now, man, today, well, especially when he put on a clinic, he just put the. <laughs> You know, I did see that. I saw the video. And he it. had some nice moves. Yeah, he yeah. had some really nice moves. He's, I'd say he's a really good athlete, too, by the way. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, considering so, he's got the gene pool with oh, his yeah. father, professional but I, baseball but player. But, I, I, you know, the money nowadays, you're going to give all this money to these first-round guys and how much money they're worth going forward. you got to make a decision. you got to say, hey, Lance, you're not playing basketball anymore, buddy. You know, back in the day, I, 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 number one, they, they never could find it out. Number two, the money wasn't that big. So. Well, our producer Dave just threw up another name relevant, Aaron Boone, in the conversation. Oh, my Remember, goodness. third yeah. baseman for the Yankees, yeah. hits the big home run against the yeah. Red Sox that offseason, winds up suffering a serious injury playing basketball, and that's how the Alex Rodriguez storyline and opportunity came about. But you know, listen, Jeff, as a former professional athlete, this is what amazes me. I get it, there's concern. First of all, I'd rather my player be working out and staying active in the offseason. That's number one. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I've always said this. You could get hurt working out, throwing a football no in the offseason, yeah, Jeff. I know. So does it make management feel better? Well, at least he was hurt playing our sport Doesn't as opposed matter, to playing right? The bottom line yeah. is he's hurt. I guess it's the risk, the factor. I mean, you are putting yourself at risk. You because, are, and I get because that. Because you're playing, a, number one, you're playing a sport that you don't normally do, um, which is different muscles and things like this. The other thing is, is that you're not in that much of a controlled environment like you are in practice with the red jersey on. Nobody can hit you in basketball. Okay. It could be all out. I mean, somebody may not like you, Patrick Mahomes. He's not thinking about your I mean, well-being. He might be a Charger fan playing in that pickup game. <laughs> could be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just, you don't know. I get it. No, you bring up a good point about the controlled environment. I guess I'm just saying, even in a controlled environment, Jeff. You never know. You never know you what's going to happen. I mean, the guy you can slip, walk out fall. and slip on the, on the ice and break his leg. I mean, you don't know. So, But it matter. I guess it's just like, you know, you never know if, if, if your car is going to break down, but you keep putting oil in it to keep it lubed up, you never know. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... You take the precautionary maneuvers. correlation, by the way. Well, no, but I I get the point. (laughs) I mean, listen, we're we're all about stretching here on Big Blue Kickoff Live anyway. The other one that comes to mind, if you remember, Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. When he was with Indiana, he was a member of Team USA. That's right. So that summer, right, they go, they work out, and he had a horrendous injury. Oh, it was ugly to look at. 
and he missed essentially an entire season. People worried about maybe he'd never come back, and thankfully he's thriving right now with OKC. But there were people at that time, I remember Jeff saying, and this was, he was playing his own sport, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and and the NBA team gave him permission to take part in Team USA. And everybody was like, oh, this is why players should not join Team USA. So my reaction was, well, wait a minute. He could be in the gym, working sure. out with a bunch of Without his buddies, team USA. and he could break his leg or whatever. And what are you going to do? You're going to fault him? You can't put these athletes in bubble wrap. Right. No, They've got to stay active. Yeah. They just have to be, okay, you have to just be, you know, if you're going to play in a league, I guess, that's a little different story. But, you know, pick up basketball game maybe, you know, here and there. But I, they're, they're going to do it. They're still going to do it. They're athletes. They're competitive. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing fun. with Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's fun, fun, but he also he has the competitive drive. Yeah. You can't yeah. expect him to stay bottled up over the course well, of the offseason. Well, the one thing that will help them decide this is because when you sign an NFL contract, there is a clause in the NFL contract that says – that you, you know, you will not partake in any dangerous activities. Now, basketball, I don't I know mean, if it's is a, dangerous classified activity. As a dangerous activity. Dangerous I mean, activity is skydiving, snowboarding, skiing, snowboarding. Skiing, yeah. And if you did get hurt in that in that realm, you have which non-football injury and they have the ability to say, Correct. I'm not we, we're no longer going to pay you until you get hurt or yeah. until you get better because you hurt yourself, you went outside the contract. Not taking part in our activity. But you know what my, my response would be? I have no problem with that being in the contract, Jeff. But if the player decides that he wants to do that, such as playing basketball, not snowboarding or skiing, yeah. that may be a little bit of a stretch. He understands he's taking a risk himself, too. That's right. So it, it's not as if he should go into that blindly saying, hey, yeah, this is well, not my cup know, of tea. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to be smart. you got to be smart. And I, and I think that... When you're a guy like Patrick Mahomes, it's probably it's probably better off that you don't go play basketball because look, at who you are the quarterback. You're, you know, the, the franchise has got a lot of money invested in you. Listen, if you're the backup kicker or the backup punter, then maybe you may have a chance to maybe playing maybe better at, at intramurals than you would at being the backup punter because there is none. Yes. So <laughs> you can get Mike Drew. No, 100%. And listen, we didn't mean to get off topic, but it was relevant to what we were talking sure. about with Kyler Murray. I'll give you another example within the football realm. Tyler Eifert, who's going to be a free agent, who has been with the Bengals for the first few seasons of his career, he took part in the Pro Bowl. And he got hurt in the Pro Bowl, if you remember, Jeff. And then he wound up missing the majority of the season the following year. And there's been guys, I believe, who've taken part in charity flag football events on sand, and they wound up getting hurt. Let's go one step further, and we we can get off the topic. But it's just why the guys don't play in the bowl games. No, it's a very valid point. Same thing, right? Even though it's your sport. And like you said, I don't mind, you know, if you're playing your sport. But the fact is, is that... That's your sport, but you don't. You're and look at the guy from uh, from Michigan that the, you know, but with the the tight end, blew out his knee in in the bowl game. Yeah, and then you know he's drafted. I think he was drafted in the third round. He was going to be a legitimate first round draft pick. Cost him millions of dollars playing in the bowl game. So now you know why guys don't do it. Well, and Christian McCaffrey didn't. Christian do it. McCaffrey's a perfect example. Bosa this year. Nick Bosa shutting it down at Ohio State. And speaking of the combine, that's going to be a player to watch, by the way, because we haven't seen him on the field. He claims that he's fully healthy. He's been rehabbing. He's ready to go. But I think any NFL scout, you, you want to see him run around a little bit, even if it's in his underwear, Jeff, at this point. Listen, I, I, he's, he's quite the athlete. He'll be the number one guy. It's going to be either him or the guy from Alabama, right? You would think that if you're not interested in a quarterback, so, for example, if you're the Arizona Cardinals right now, who I know there's a lot of rumors about Kingsbury's 
love of Kyler Murray. I find it hard to believe they're going to bail on Josh Rosen after one season, There's considering no Steve Kime, their general manager, who's still there, was the one that drafted him. <laughs> so that would be a stunner. So if Arizona doesn't move out of that first overall pick, Jeff, you could say, hey, they need help in terms of the pass rush. Mm-hmm. Their defense was a mess this past season. It's one of the reasons so why they moved on offense. from Steve Wilkes. <laughs> Everything was a mess. But their defense especially fell off yeah. after James Betcher left, and they went to a 4-3 as opposed to what they were running with Betcher at 3-4. Nick Bosa would be a nice fit. You can never have enough pass rushers in the NFL, as you well. Well, if he's anything like his brother, he's going to be Joey Bosa, good. yeah. And Joey's working with Melvin Ingram in Los Angeles with the Chargers. So the Cardinals with Chandler Jones are saying to themselves, hey, why not bring yep. in a complimentary piece to him? There you go. Well, we'll see what happens. I, and he's going to be running drills, so that's a good thing. You know, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm, to me, the quarterbacks are the topic of this draft. Because every year we talk about them and they go up and down. You know, one goes to three, three goes to one, two goes to four. They, they move around. They all jockey the for position this, all throughout the draft. this draft class is an unknown. I mean, you got a guy that's le- less than six foot. You've got a guy that's only played one year in the league. You got a guy that's coming from Duke, okay? And then you got another guy that's coming from Missouri. That, that those are the four guys that we're kind of looking at. You know, none of them, you know, they're not anything like last year. I mean, those all those guys last there. year were hyped big time. You know, you got a Heisman Trophy winner again in there, but. You know, he's nothing like Baker Mayfield. Well, and also Heisman Trophy winners haven't necessarily fared well, Jeff, at the NFL level. No, so I don't even not. know if that's something you want to break about I actually at this point. talk about, like, a jinx maybe, you know? That's like, really, you think about it. Um, but I think Baker is going to be okay. Yeah, Baker looked the part in his first year. I was extremely high on him. We talked about him a lot on this program. Cleveland seems to be a good fit. He's got that competitive drive. It's a small sample size, but so far so good. I think Sam Darnold has shown some flashes that hopefully the Jets will continue to bring in personnel around him. Rosen, the jury's still out. There was so much change it's hard around to, him yeah, in It's hard one. to evaluate a guy like that when he didn't have an offensive line. Their running game was horrible. Yep, coordinators he was, changed. He was hurt a little bit here and there. And plus, he's got a lot of history of, of injuries anyway. With concussions and so forth. No, so. That, that's all relevant within the conversation. Lamar Jackson, who he brought up earlier, speaking of Heisman Trophy winners, you know, he got the starting job a little bit later in the season. They started to adjust their offense. Now he's the guy. Mm -hmm. So we'll really get a grasp on what he could do. And Josh Allen in Buffalo, what was interesting about him, Jeff, all season, they used him essentially as a running back. He ran a lot more than he threw. (laughs) Eventually, if you're Sean McDermott and that Bills coaching staff, you got to say, we want him to throw the football, Jeff. Eventually, we'd like you to throw, <laughs> but we really need you to run because we have nobody else that can do it. And you're six foot five. Yeah, but <laughs> but he's good at it. He is. He's very good yeah. at it. But as we saw with RG three, and you hit it right in the nose well, earlier, you can't yeah. constantly run yeah. because no matter how athletic he is, he's going to take the brunt of the hits, and he's going to be on the sideline before you know it. And you know they're they're football players, right? But the fact is, is that they're quarterbacks, and you know you use your legs the best you can, but you know those. Coach Coffin always used to say that that hits on the quarterback were are cumulative. They and over time, they make they have an effect, and that's what you have to think about guys that get outside the pocket and run a lot. You know, over time, the effect will be there. Just because you don't go out of the game and you don't you know you don't act like you're hurt on Tuesday, it hurts. You know, you got bruises on your arms and elbows and oh yeah and something you know and then you go out on Wednesday and try to throw. Oh, it's not good. And then you miss a day of practice. And so the next week, 
it goes again and cumulative effect is in around 10 weeks into the season, you are just beat up. So, and that's just not only the guys that run around, that's the quarterbacks. You know, even though you're not getting sacked, you're getting hits on the quarterback. I mean, look at how many times guys are getting hit in the game from the quarterback position. It's a lot. And so, you know, those guys are pretty tough. Especially with rough offensive line play across the board. More of a reason a young quarterback should be prepared to take his fair share. And again, they're protected. The rules nowadays are protecting the quarterback, and the defenses are now starting to understand how to play at that level and within those rules, which is going to help the quarterback position. But the fact of the matter is they still, you know, this isn't powder puff. They're getting hit every game, sometimes 20 times a game. Well, and that adds up to your point. Yeah. Just because you're not taking a hit, meaning you're getting sacked consistently, doesn't mean the wear and tear on your body is not I will tell you this. I remember, <laughs> and I never went through it other than maybe high school, but the first week in training camp, I remember those guys, I don't know how they do it. They, they would walk, I mean, their necks and their, everything is sore because, you know, you become accustomed. To it. Like for somebody, to give you an example, if somebody hasn't worked out in a while and you go do something, you know, you go work out or you go play a sport or you run or bike or something, you know, the second day within 48 hours is the worst. You are going to be sore. So those guys, that's what happened. They hit, they, they've grown up all their lives hitting this stuff, but they have they, their muscles become a condition to that, right? A quarterback doesn't. I mean, that's he's not out there in practice, you know, hitting people. Exactly. So over time, those things kind of take they take a cumulative effect. You know, I mean, why do you think sometimes quarterbacks the balls are are sailing high or low or whatever? It's because they have they have injuries that you don't try know to about. overcompensate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and here's the other thing, and you were bringing up the fact that hey, if you got to consistently miss a practice on a Wednesday or a Thursday, the last thing as a coaching staff that you want to see, Jeff, is your rookie quarterback missing practice once a week <laughs> when he still needs to build chemistry right. with the bulk of the yeah, receiver and learn court. The plays anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the last thing that Abs- you want to do. Absolutely, and and. It- and it happens, um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with these guys. It's going to be very interesting. The philosophies that go into it are huge. Each team has different philosophies on each player. Each each team has different systems to try to fit these players in the systems. You know, Kyler Murray is a guy that I believe that you're going to have to change your system. You're going to have to implement an offense around this guy if that's what you if that's what you're going to do. Well, that's what they did with Baker Mayfield in the second half of the season. The Browns started to accommodate his strengths, right? And he took off. So I think a similar thing has to take place with Kyler Murray. I think where, where you draw the line in the sand is, you, is the, you know, you have to be on, everybody has to be on board with this. The organization, the coaching staff, especially because here's a guy like, let's just say Pat Shermer has this offense and now he, you know, he's. It's actually started to take take hold of last season, the second half of the season, and now you're going to go change this whole thing and da 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 da. You know, it takes a lot. Everybody's got to be on board with it, especially when they're already through a year of transition. Given mm-hmm. this was his first year yeah. as the head coach, it'll be very interesting to see what direction the Giants go in the NFL draft. And we'll get more into the draft and the combine a little bit later on here on the program. Reminder: Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. Well, speaking of the combine, we are now joined by a very special guest, and there's a lot of chatter surrounding the competition committee at this time of the year, well before the owners' meetings, because based on what happened in the NFC Championship game. Perhaps the league is going to make some changes to instant replay and a lot more. And to weigh in on that, we are now joined by NFL.com columnist. You could also see her on the NFL Network, none other than Judy Batista. Judy, you got Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate the time. How's everything? Hi, Judy. 
Hi, hi guys. How are you? We're doing very well, and one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on the program, Judy, you've been all over the competition committee meetings. They got underway yesterday, and you were all over it on social media, and I think it's important for fans to understand, and you hit it right on the nose. Despite the fact that the court of public opinion wasn't very pleased with what transpired in the NFC Championship game, you still need the owners, 24 of the 32, to approve any rule changes. And it seems, Judy, based on who you've talked to, just because fans are irritated doesn't mean the league is ready to necessarily make the jump in the Department of Expanding Instant Replay. How fair of an assessment is that? Yeah, I think that's right on target. Just in talking to more members of the competition committee, you know, yesterday and then this morning, um, uh, you know, they have to, they sort of view things comprehensively. And one thing that Rich McKay just said to us, who is the chair of the competition committee, he just said, like, you have to look at everything sort of top down, because if you make changes to instant replay and what instant replay is going to encompass, it changes officiating. It may change how long games take. It may change the pace of the game. That's a big priority for the league, pace of game. They don't want games dragging out that bad. So, um, you know, there's a lot of dominoes. If you change one thing, there's a lot of what they all call, call unintended consequences, and they, they need to try to minimize those, and they need to make sure that they're aware of what they might be before they can go about minimizing them. So I think I doubt anything solid is going to come out of this meeting here in Indianapolis. The big meeting in March, as you know, all the coaches are there, all the GMs are there, and all of the owners are there, and all, there's a lot of discussion in those meeting rooms. And so I think if there's any momentum to change, it would come out of those meetings. Judy, let me ask you this. So, you know, all unintended consequences, that's, that is a big, that's a big word <laughs> in the National Football League because, you know, really yeah. it, it is, and it means a lot because there is a trickle-down effect when something like this happens. But in your mind, it, do, you think, do you think that there's going to be something done on this instant replay, whether it's, you know, adding another official or something up in the booth? What's your gut feeling on this? Uh, on adding officials, uh, we just talked to some people about that. There does not seem to be, at least right now at this meeting, there does not seem to be a feeling that that would help. Um, now, I know that there are some officials, including Gene Steratore, a former official, who thinks that would help because his feeling is the game is played so spread out now that it would help to have another set of eyes mm -hmm. on the field, not up in the box, on the field, um, that it would help them see more. Um, they don't seem to feel that way. But again, this is just the competition committee here. Now, they make recommendations that usually the general you know, public, I mean, uh, and by that I mean you know, all of the owners, the 32 owners, follow the guidance of the competition committee. But not necessarily last year at that meeting in March, at the big meeting in March, they came up with the helmet rule in the meeting room. They did not go in there with the idea of creating you know, that lowering the helmet rule. So, you know, I think we're going to get a better temperature on where things stand um, at the meeting in March. I would say, though, coming out of this, I do not sense a strong push to change replay, you know, in any significant way. Interesting. Well, Judy, related to this subject, it's interesting because right now you have the Alliance of American Football, which has been extremely innovative in terms of implementing some changes, such as replay, the sky judge. From what you've heard, how closely are NFL owners, as well as members of the competition committee, you think, looking at what the AAF is doing on a weekly basis to determine whether or not they want to even experiment with stuff like that in the preseason? 
Well, I think they look at all of them, even before the AAF. They would look at, you know, college football, certainly. They would look at Canadian football. They they look at everything, and they consider it, but, you know, one thing Rich McKay just said, you know, as it's been for every offseason since, you know, whatever it was, 1986, we begin our annual discussion, offseason discussion of replay. This is a conversation they have every year. Stephen Jones, who is another member of the competition committee, said, we have these conversations all the time. There's just there's a lot of energy to the conversation, but there's not a whole lot of new ideas, right? I mean, like, we've seen what they do in college football. We've seen what Canadian football does. Maybe, you know, now we'll see what the uh, alliance does. But there's not a whole lot new under the sun here. So <laughs> you're going over well-trod territory. <laughs> you're going to have to make a decision if they want to push forward and change things, are they upset enough about the call? And don't forget, the call in the Saints game was a non-call, yeah. which is another step beyond. Are you going to go to replay to address non-calls? That's something that in the past there has been no support for. Um, but, you know, even roughing the pass, or would you, would you make that reviewable? Uh, they're going to have to make a decision on whether they're willing to consider that because there's, there's not a whole lot of new things you can do. Mm-hmm. The question is, do you want to change it? One thing a lot of people, let me add this, a lot of people keep saying is, this is a game played by humans, coached by humans, and officiated by human beings. Human beings make mistakes. Yep. That was obviously a high-profile situation. It was a bad, blown call, but it's happened before. It'll happen again, unfortunately. I think their goal would be to try to make it easier for officials to officiate the game. And I don't know if changing instant replay and adding to plays that are reviewable helps make it any easier. Well, I think I can tell you one thing that just I, just by watching some of the AAF, I really, and this is something that you, you talk about the trickle down effect. You got to change this, and you got to change that, and you got to, you know, the the clock, the play clock, if you will. They use a, an abbreviated play clock, and it, I'll tell you the pace of the game. If you want to speed up the pace of the game and add another official or a booth official, um, because you're saying you if by doing this, you know you're going to be you're not going to be able to keep the same pace of the game. But if you're going to add another official that's going to be calling for replays, and the, take a little bit off of that game clock to buy yourself some time for these replays. In my opinion, you don't have to change a lot if you're going to do that, Judy. Uh, that's all well and good. Could you please go tell the coaches that that's what you're going <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah no you problem. You're the one who gets to deliver that news <laughs> yeah. to the head coaches yeah. that you're going with the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's hard that's enough for these guys. Away. I mean, I'll never forget when Ben Mack would do was here, and they came out with the you know the Daily News or whatever it was. They had the the big diner menu thing. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> right, hard right, enough. Right. It's, it's, sheet, it's yeah. hard enough for these guys to play to call a play within 45 seconds or whatever it is, right? I mean, God, could you imagine <laughs> if the owners went to their head coaches and said, "Okay, boys, let me just tell you something now." you have 35 seconds yeah. to call your plays there'd be a little bit of fight in the room i'm just saying just you know long-term effect here and you know these games do become very long um if they wanted to change something they could certainly go there they just have to get the get the play in a little quicker yeah i would say um keep an eye on the conversation about pace of the game and time of the game because that was a big initiative from the league office from roger goodell himself a, a few years ago i think it was two off seasons ago because the games were taking too long Frankly, that's bad for television ratings. The mm-hmm. games drag, you know, the long television timeouts. So that was something they felt they got reined in. They like how the games are going, that they're faster now. So yeah, uh, they're not going to be interested in taking a step back on that. Let me. Can I ask you a quick question? Because when we, before we came on the air, um, Lance and I were talking 
Um, what's this notion about changing the punt something? Are they taking the punt away? They can't, Judy. They cannot take the punt out of football. You know that, right? <laughs> Spoken like a true punter. Yes. Jeff, I've been watching, Jeff, I've been watching you punch since you and I were both at the University of Miami. Yes. So I don't want the punt to disappear either. Thank you so much. Yes. However, I know that I know that this is a safety issue. It always is. Yep. What What is it that they're talking about that needs to be improved on the on the punt team and their safety? I think this is also at the very beginning stages. But if you remember, last offseason, they got a group of special team coaches together and brainstormed. I was allowed to sit in on the meeting, and they came up with lots of innovative ideas. And that's what led to the changes in the kickoff. They were really happy with what they saw on the injury data on the kickoff this year. Okay. Yeah. Big drops in concussion numbers. Obviously, that's good, and that's something they want to continue. So I, I think the goal is certainly to not get rid of the punt. I don't think anybody oh, wants no, to get no, rid of can't. kicking or punting in the game. Sure. But it's the punt is now the most dangerous play in the game. Kickoffs used to be. They seem to have wrestled back to the ground a little bit. Punts are now what they think is the most um, you know, injury-riddled play in the game. So they've got to get control of that. I think there's a feeling that they might do what they did last year, get the special teams coaches together, um, and you know, try to formulate some ideas and see if they can make tweaks to the punt mm-hmm. um, that minimize the impact, minimize the big impact plays, um, and maybe get those injury numbers down. And real quickly, Lance and I were talking, the, the issue here is the gunners, is those guys running down and right. making plays on there. So the big, you know, that the is big high speed collision. Those are the big ones. That's, that's correct. The problem. Yep. And then, you know, those guys try to avoid contact so they can get freed up and run down and make big plays. The, the alternative is it going to make it so that they can't either go out of bounds or somehow that they, they, you know, they're going to, they got to hold them up better. First of all, they got to play right. better. <laughs> you know, but that's, right. that's where the safety issue is because it's like the kickoff when guys were, you know, now they have them set. You can't run anymore. You have to stop yeah. and then go. That's the same thing with punt now. You you just basically have to eliminate the guys running down there free and, and blowing up the returners. So uh, that's definitely a safety issue. And, again, the league has to go there. It's just protect the players in the long run. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what they can come up with on the punt because last year when they were trying to make the changes to the kickoff, the idea was to make the kickoff more like the punt, right? No yeah. running starts. Like, mm-hmm. So the question is, well, now how would you change the punt? You've just made the kickoff more like the punt. How do you how do you make the punt? In a way. You know, safer? I mean, what do you do I mean, there? The, the kickoff so it'll is... It'll be interesting to see. The kickoff is you still are you still as a defender you're still far away from the other guy. We're in a we're, right. when you're a gunner the the defenders are right there next to you. So you know maybe it's yeah it's I'm interested to see what happens you know because it is there's a, hey you get a bunch of special team coaches in the room you're in trouble. There's going to be a lot of stuff yeah. talking about a lot of there. ideas. Oh yeah. lots of ideas because <laughs> right. those guys all think they're head coaches although John Harbaugh <laughs> was you know so he became a head right. coach that's a good thing. All right, well, I'll shut I can up tell now. you from sitting in on the meeting last year, there were some ideas that were crazy, you know, that you're sitting there going, like, are you kidding? Like, they, no, yeah. they can't do that. But they did get the ideas that ultimately led to the changes in, in the kickoff that we saw. And, again, the numbers did, the injury numbers did go down. So that's obviously something they want to continue doing. I think they'll give that a shot with the punt. I don't know if we're going to see changes to the punt this season, but I think they're certainly going to have a long conversation about can you make that play safer. We're talking with Judy Batiste, the columnist for NFL.com. You can see her on NFL Network. And speaking of contact, it was interesting, Judy, because I was looking on social media and you tweeted out that another part of the conversation has been the helmet rule, which you alluded to earlier. 
But when they looked at all of the calls from this past season, which is interesting, there weren't a number of erroneous calls, but there were a lot of non-calls, meaning they missed a number of opportunities. No. So what has the conversation been like with respect to that as to how perhaps they expect to improve upon that? Uh, well, I, I think the feeling on the helmet rule, and they've been pretty frank about this, is that because it came so late in the offseason last year, if you remember, they discussed it. Mm-hmm. It first came up in that meeting in March, and then they approved it in May. So it was you're already pretty late in the offseason by that time. That there just was not a, an appropriate amount of time to educate coaches about what they wanted and how they wanted officiated, to educate the officials about how they wanted it officiated, oh. and obviously then. How do you teach the players? If the coaches don't even know what you want, how do you? How do they then teach the players? Brilliant. However, um, I think the feeling is this offseason they need to spend a lot of time educating everybody about this is what the helmet rule is, this is how we want it to look, this is what we want called, this is not what we want called. Um, if you remember, early in last season, during the preseason, it was getting called a lot, and people were freaking out, right? People were like, this is crazy, you know, there's a call on every other play. Um, and then they sort of, you know, ratcheted it back a little bit. And, and now they feel, well, we maybe went overboard and it wasn't called often enough. Now, they often tell, the competition committee often tells the officials, if there's a doubt, don't throw the flag. But this is a player safety matter, obviously. Um, and it goes to the heart of the future of the game. Um, so I think they're going to have to, you know, try to find a middle ground where they say to the officials, you need to pay close attention. This has to be officiated correctly. And look, with time, things get officiated better. When they put the helmet rule in, they said when they first put pass interference in and defenseless player rules in, it wasn't officiated correctly for about three seasons before it was really called the way the league wanted it called. So this would be season number two. You know, you give it a little grace period, and presumably it will improve this year and then get better next year, you know, going forward. Um, but I, the helmet rule is not going anywhere. If anybody thinks the helmet rule is going away, no chance, because that is right at the heart of the concussion issue. And again, they were really encouraged by the injury data. And, you know, they have all of this amazing technology now where they have sensors in the helmets and they can see exactly where the point of impact is um, when guys use their heads. And one member of the competition committee said, you know, they've seen preliminary data that indicates that guys are not lowering their heads as much as they used to in the past. So that's a trend they want to encourage. So if if they are if players are starting to think about that and not lowering their head, then that's all to the good, and that would encourage them. Keep calling that helmet rule. Keep calling it because you are dissuading guys from lowering their head, and that makes it much safer. I think you also get a lot of it a carryover from NCAA and some of the football the rules that are in the NCAA, the targeting, you know, those types of stuff that have a direct effect effect of the guys that are coming into the league. You know, it's almost like with junior football over the years when everybody was worried about the concussions, everybody said, well, how do we change this? Well, you have to change it by coaching it better. And now over the years – Little, little League football is starting to become the numbers are coming back up again because moms and dads of the world are finally realizing that the coaches are teaching this the right way. And so to your point, it's going to take a couple of years for the coaches to be able to figure out how, to, how do we teach this in practice so that the players don't get penalized for it and ultimately find, you know, that's the big thing for the players is that they're going to take the money away from right. us, you know, so it's important and it's a, and it's a step in the right direction. 
Yeah, well, when they put the rule in, the helmet rule, one of the parts of the conversation they said is it, there's a trickle-down effect. When other you know levels of football see what the NFL is doing, it obviously affects them. So that affects college football and high school football. And, the, you know, the big circle then is completed when – if coaches are teaching players at you know the peewee level, all the way up, don't lower your head, don't use your head as mm-hmm. a weapon, don't lower your head. By the time you know those very very few elite players rise to the NFL level, they've been tackling that way all of their lives. That makes it a lot easier in the NFL for the NFL to say you can't lower your head. Yeah, it's all about teaching the fundamentals at the lower stages so that this way it becomes second nature once they get to the National Football League. When you change it at the NFL, to your point, it takes some time. Judy, before we let you go, I know this is a very similar process to your point that takes place each and every year, but just for the sake of the listeners, what's the next step here for the competition committee as the calendar moves forward before they get to the point of perhaps putting some things to vote? Well, they will. Uh, they have meetings again later on today, and then tomorrow, and then they have another meeting um, right before the big annual meeting in March. It's like the week before. Teams submit proposals every year, um, and they expect that there's going to be a number of proposals about instant replay, for example, um, and they then go through them, meaning the competition committee looks at those proposals, and then the competition committee will endorse some ideas, you know, from their own meetings, from their own data. What does the competition committee think the league should do? Should the owners expand replay? Should they leave replay the same? And and all other rules that have to be looked at, too. And then they'll get into that March meeting, and that's where a lot of the conversation will take place in the room, again, with all the owners, all of the coaches, all of the general managers, and then they may come out of that with some changes, or, or then there's another owners meeting in May, um, right before everybody sort of breaks for the summer. Um, and we've seen rules changes get made, you know, at that point too in May. So they are really at this meeting at the very beginning stages of rules changes, you know. And I, I would not expect anything solid to come out of this meeting. And they may even get all the way through the, the March meeting without anything firm. Judy, real quickly, have, have you heard or? Have, Anything about the game day roster change at all going from the, you know, uh, at all? It, it, expanding it? Yeah. I have not heard. Okay. Uh, I have not heard any. And but frankly, I, I haven't asked about it, to be honest with okay. you. So um, I haven't, you know, I haven't heard anything about that yet. Hey, well, you got to keep us posted on that. That's important. <laughs> Jeff I'm wants sorry. there to be two. I want two, that, I I want that backup punter right to be yeah, on I, I was going to say, Jeff, Jeff just wants the backup that. punter there, uh, Judy, yeah. on the roster. So <laughs> Any time that specialist could get more of an opportunity in the NFL, he's all for that. I, you know, but honestly, I, I just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. I, I, I feel, why do you have to have five or seven guys that don't play? I mean, I mean, the game's rough as it is. There's injuries and stuff. I know this goes very deep into it, but to me, it just doesn't make sense why they can't have, you know, another – maybe inactivate two guys. But, I mean, do you have to have seven every week or whatever it is? I, don't, I just don't agree with it. So you keep us in, you I, keep us in the loop on that one, will you? <laughs> I literally just wrote in my notebook. Oh, there you go. You see, <laughs> it's going to be her first question once she hangs up on us. And I am with in Judy's that... notebook now. That's so important <laughs> exactly. to me. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. She is Judy Batista, columnist for NFL.com. You can see her on the NFL Network, and she is all over the great ins and outs job too. of the competition committee in Indianapolis at the Combine. Judy, greatly appreciate the time Thanks, and the Judy. insight. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much. 
Always my pleasure, guys. Thank See you, you later. You <laughs> got care. it. That is Judy Batista once again, kind enough to weigh in on the changes to the competition committee. And I want to piggyback right off of your point, Jeff, here as we carry on the conversation on Big Blue Kickoff Live, because I brought that up, too about why can't we just get to the point where you could dress all 53? Yeah, what does it matter? And I was having a conversation on Sirius XM NFL Radio recently with Bill Polian, okay. former general manager of the Colts, and I basically yeah, posed them. the exact question because okay. he's coming from sure. the front office, and he said, listen, expanding the rosters certainly makes sense, gives players the other opportunity to dress up, but the bottom line is once you start taking away the limitations, then you're going to get to a point, Jeff, where one team's got 10 guys that are hurt, Another team's got five. So they're going to be able to dress 53. You're only going to be able to dress 49. And now you're going to have one team with four extra healthy bodies and the other team's at a disadvantage. Unless you allow them to maybe call up additional individuals to get to 53. You know, that, that's what they're going to okay. have to work out. Okay. Those logistics, Jeff, I think have to be hammered yeah. out. And, and then, you know, again, when you talk about the trickle-down effect, now you're talking about getting guys off the practice squad to be able to make the, – if you need three other players Can because the you, team that you're going against has nine active DBs. It changes the number game. It also changes the way that you manipulate your roster up and down from practice squad to regular because, you know, when you pull somebody off the practice squad, he has to play, you know. And then when you pull them – when you there's a lot of t how teams can pick up the guys. Yep. You know, so there's a lot of things that go into it. Yeah, you're going to have to remove some of those limitations. Right. You know, and I think that hits it right in the nose because also, Jeff, once you then – send the guy out of your roster who was on the practice squad. He doesn't just go back to the practice no, he squad. Goes he goes on through waivers. Yeah. So you may lose exactly. him. So they're going to have to have a way that maybe Protect you, don't, you don't lose a practice yeah. squad player. You know, so this maybe, way you can move him maybe, up and down. Maybe it could be like a, like they did years ago with free agents. You do a plan B. Like you either have it, you're an A or a B player. A B player Okay, we'll we'll let you go, you know. But in A, we you can only protect so many guys per year. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. We could yeah. spend hours on this. No, but I, I like your philosophy. I like the fact of expanding rosters. I just think that if you then all of a sudden you bring up a guy for one game and now all of a sudden you wave him yeah. and then you're not guaranteed to bring him back and he knows your system, it's a disadvantage. I somewhere. guess what I just don't. I I and I I get the, I get it. Okay, I get what Bill Poling was saying. I just what I don't like about it is that. There's guys like that sixth or that seventh and eighth lineman every week that's inactive. Where that guy, if he was active, he actually could take place. He could play on special teams. Oh, 100%. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He doesn't have to be a lineman in the game. No, but he, he may not be, even get in. But he on could offense. definitely be on the kickoff team or the, you know, he could get some action to play to take away from maybe one of your other starters that are playing on special teams. It's going to affect the special teams more than anything, in my opinion, if you kept all these guys active. Okay. Cause how many times we have, Oh, a healthy scratch. Well, we have a healthy scratch because we need another player, in another position. Because we're banged because up. Because we're that, banged up. But I agree with you. That healthy scratch to me makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I guess maybe the other one, and I got, I'm full of ideas. If you're on the if you're on the injury report for a, a percentage of the week, then you're eligible to be inactivated or whatever. I don't. There's tons of stuff. But to, to the healthy scratch to me makes no sense to me. A guy that practices all week, the guy that's on the active roster, and then he shows up on Sunday and they take his, his jersey he's away. He's got to watch from the box or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or the sideline, depending on what the rules are for the team. It just it goes back to you're going to have teams, and you know we've seen this from the Giants. There's been years, Jeff, where they've been decimated by injuries. Yeah. It's hard enough to field 46, whereas you have another team 
that has avoided the injury bug. So one week, they're going to have all 53 guys. You're going to have 47, and then the other six will be maybe practice squad guys. It, it's somewhat of a disadvantage. That, that's a, where they're going to work. I get it. I get it. But and it's that's so, the problem. And it's so hard because you're never going to have – there's never going to be equality when it comes to injury. Not every team is going to have the same amount of them every year, every week. But I guess if you only dress 47 – that's I guess that's their their thing. So yeah, but I would like to see the expansion. I, I just think that you have, you need to change the rules in terms of practice squad players, and you know maybe they can look into. This is another thing in terms of what the G League does at the NBA level, Jeff. They've got those two way contracts where G League players they could go back and forth. And you're a part of the team. So maybe if you're a practice squad player, I mean, technically you're under contract with the team, but it's a two-way contract. Sure. So meaning once we deactivate you, you go back to the practice squad. Perfect. You don't just go out into the free world where right. you could sign anywhere. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't make those type of adjustments. I'd like yeah. to see them implement that, and, and that's, that's something that the competition committee should point. look into. I mean, it, it, yeah. would, it, would, you know, it would make sense because then you don't have to keep doing contracts over and over, and then you can identify it. I mean, do, does a veteran player, I'd say after a certain amount of years in the league, you no longer on a, on, you can't go to practice squad anyway. No, you're ineligible. So you wouldn't have a dual contract. Exactly. Now, there's two spots on the practice squad, and they've also expanded to the amount of yeah. bodies that they can put on the practice squad. But remember, they've left two spots open for somebody that has two years in the league already. Okay. Two accrued years, you know, the way yeah. it works, yeah. where you've played at least six yeah, games. Yeah, that's new, right? That was relatively, two I years, would say that was maybe ago? put in about two to three years ago. Yeah, because yeah. I remember I saw a couple of the players that were on that list. I'm like, wait a second, how can that guy yeah, be on Yeah, you felt like, oh, no, squad. he played too many NFL games or has been on the squad. Sure. But So that's what they did to expand it. So I would say you could adjust rather that. Rather than cut the guy. Yeah, rather than cut the guy, you can maybe adjust the rules. Now, to your point, no, it'd be idiotic to say a guy who's had five years in the NFL is going to go down <laughs> to the practice squad. You, know, you could still have those limitations, but... The bottom line is you have an undrafted rookie. He's working on the practice squad. You bring him up for a game, Jeff. Now the next guy's healthy. You send him back down, and you don't worry about losing him. Well, I, it's very simple to me because you keep the guy on the rookie contract, rookie minimum, whatever it is. So, hey, Lance, you got called up for three games this year, three divided by 17, divide whatever your salary is after you got paid, and then this is your practice squad contract. You're getting paid five grand a week or whatever yeah. it is. and You get a bonus every time you're called up, maybe on the 53-man roster. Yeah, I yeah, mean, all of these logistics. We take you out to dinner one. You know, we give you a <laughs> gift certificate dinner. to Arby's. Oh, of course, yeah. Whatever give it you is you the want. The whole nine yards, yeah. the, the limo treatment. Red we'll, let, we'll let you park in the players' parking lot this week <laughs> wow. rather than go outside. You sold outside. me right there. I mean, <laughs> give me the contract right now, Jeff. I mean, I would. The hell with everything else. I mean, I mean some yeah. guys take Ubers. I mean, well, of I, course, for a young guy yeah. who's just getting his feet wet in the NFL, yeah, things like that are appealing, those it bonuses. Is. It is. Well, it also gives you a chance as an organization to keep your guys around that you've been that you've been out there evaluating and you and you had enough to sign them. You want them on the team. You're not just signing these guys because you don't want them to make your team. Eventually, you want them. You see some some potential. You want to in see them guys. grow within the organization. The last thing you hate yeah. is to put all that all that time and effort and money into these guys, and then you and you get to use them in the capacity that you want to because of an injury to a veteran, and now he goes back down to the practice squad and he's the free. He, somebody can pick him up again. Yeah. Just, that doesn't make sense to me. You developed him, and now somebody else reaps the rewards. That's right, because he he came up and played in a game, and maybe he played good. And you as an organization got to make a decision whether I'm going to keep them on the active roster. It's just it's a it's a game that you have to play. Well, that's another interesting point you just brought up. I think there's this fear factor around the NFL, Jeff, right now. 
we don't want to showcase young players to the rest of the world. So we'd rather put them on IR, store them. I think if you have two-way contracts, now you're not scared about bringing a guy up and having him return a punt for a game. And by the way, you get some evaluation. Exactly. So it's killing two birds with one stone. And I will tell you this. The team that the the upper quarter of the teams that are good are not going to utilize this a lot. It's the teams like the Giants two years ago when they basically went down to UPS on Route 17 (laughs) – and over there on Route 80 and said, anybody want to play re- ride receiver? That's, I mean, seriously, Come on, Lance, Dad. seriously. Two years ago, Lance and I were sitting, looking at our at the pregame show, looking at the roster going, who in God's name are these people? You know, normally, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or your, but normally, you know, you see a last name and you're like, all right, I know the guy. I can't remember the last time I looked up as many players on the no, roster no as way. I did that season. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So it's just like, you know. Oh, I'm with you. No, it, it's something that's extremely, I think, relevant to this organization, and and that'll be something that we'll we'll look for to see if it comes up in conversation. And maybe Judy, when she speaks to some of the reps from the competition committee, will throw a curveball their way, and we'll give I Jeff would love, credit. Talk about something you would love, would love to see. I would love to see those recommendations. I would love to sit down oh, the proposals and, and see the proposals. Well, something you know? tells me the New Orleans Saints are going to have a few proposals, Jeff. Uh, I bet every coach, whoever did, whoever gets to present the proposal uh yeah that's gonna be there's a lot of them must see television Mm -hmm. go in the competition committee room and see all the proposals that come in yeah stack well well and that brings up another relevant point what people need to understand i think judy hit on this a little bit there have been recommendations made every single season jeff replay included but it goes back to the point you need 24 of the 32 owners to approve if you don't get 24, if you get 22, Forget it's it. going back to the pile. Yeah. And it's not going to be a pretty good light. proposal. Yeah. So it makes sense. And, and again, the cumulative effect of, of a rule to me is just as big as the effectiveness of the rule. Because if this is a, in other words, the rule may make sense in a way that we say, oh God, that's a great, but in order for us to change this rule, we're going to have to change a lot of things going forward. We got to have a new replay, but we got to have this, we got to have that. And so a lot of times to me, I think that has a lot to do with the implementation of the rule is because then they don't want to do all this other stuff sometimes. I, I, I mean, the other necessities that come with the rule change. Unless it's comes like yeah. the helmet rule where somebody is seriously saying to you, we got to change this because the, the players association is on us like crazy. I mean, look at all the CTE and everything that's coming out. If we don't change this as a league, we're going to look stupid. So this, we will change this. And they did quickly. I mean, look how fast that thing yeah. came down last year. But if, if, if there wasn't any of the, um, the history and all this stuff that's going on with the CTE stuff, they, this thing wouldn't have changed that quickly. There's no way. I mean, I can talk about this subject, folks, because I was in the NFL for three decades, 90s. 80s, 90s, and 2000s. The game changed a lot with concussions and things like this, and everything was hush hush back in the day. Now, now that it's coming out, things get pushed through this a little bit quicker. Um, so, and and all in all, it's a good thing because you know what? You have to protect the players because this is a very violent game, and you know what? The guys only play for so many years because it is a violent game, and you want them to make as much money as they can, and you know, so rules have to be have to be made. Yeah, and times change, and no that's question, important for the NFL to be reflective of the changing times. I think what I would like to see perhaps the NFL open up with a little bit is even if they're on the fence, Jeff, with some of these changes, use the preseason. Yeah. The preseason could be the guinea pig, Jeff. Expand yeah. replay maybe a little for four games. 
you see the results, you love it, yeah. think about it for next year. I mean, there's you don't like yet. it, just yeah. dismiss it. Well, it's a perfect opportunity. It doesn't count. Nothing is yeah. no, no harm, no foul. That's exactly. They did it with the extra point. Remember, they did it yeah. in the preseason yeah. first before they implemented it. Use it. You've got a perfect sample size with four games. Mm-hmm. You might as well take advantage of it. I, I, no question. And you know, look at there's no look what they do in the preseason. I know it's a, the roster's ninety. Play, they play everybody. Everybody dresses. Yep. You know. So there's no reason why they can't use that. I think a lot period. of the a lot of times that the, the viewers and the the fans of the league get a little bit perturbed at some of the quarterback stuff, hits on the quarterback and things like this. But keep in mind, and Judy said it, and you said it, the humans coach the game, play the game, ref the game. Bingo. They're human beings, so they're not going to get it perfect. We're not playing Madden where it's programmed in there and it's supposed to be this, this, and this. It's going to happen. It's never going to be a perfect game. They just try the best that they can. And you know what? All in all, these referees, they are pretty good. They are pretty good. Um, we get on them a lot, but and they do make some bad calls, but for the most part, they're all pretty good at what some of the stuff that they do. Well, they get a bad rap because you get one missed call. It gets put under the microscope yeah. where there's a lot of other officials that are on top of things. And it was well said, Jeff, by you. It's the human element of the game. You're never going to remove the human element. You're of not. The game. But, I, you know, there's also a trend that people want to go younger at the referee positions and even have them full time. OK, that this, the NFL is not hurting in the money category to pay these guys, you know, um, but to the me, resources are there. They're certainly. there. And, you know, but, but you know what Re- related to that, Jeff, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I- I've heard that be brought up to the forefront, make them full time. I, I was taught and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know what? I was talking to a former official. I, I forget the name. And he said, you know what? At the end of the day, that's great. And you could sit him down in front of video monitors every week, Jeff, just like players practice. There is nothing like game experience sure so no matter how much you watch the play right. on a loop right. you still need to go okay. out there every yeah. sunday yeah. and get a taste of real speed mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury of the instant replay monitor right. that's how you build up endurance just sure. like a player you could tell a rookie hey it's going to be like this give him the carry let him get out there. That's yeah. the only way he's going to really grow and develop as a player. Well, and I think that, and I don't know, the, I don't know the process of how you become an NFL referee. I would imagine. Well, you go through go high school, through, college. You got to gain experience. Right? You yeah. got to gain experience. That's how so, you do it. So, well, maybe, maybe you make the experience factor a little bit longer. You know, maybe if, if again, I don't know it. I'm just say, throwing it out there. If you're two years in one of the conferences in in football, college football, maybe it's got to be four years. Double it or okay. So get you get a little bit more of that experience in that in that in that hand to hand combat, if you will. That's what you need. It's, you cannot substitute anything for experience, and especially football. I mean, that's why coaches love veterans. Again, they love veteran yeah. officials. Okay, but there comes a point in time that some of these guys, listen, I'm in my 50s. It's not as easy to get around. Some of these guys are in their late 50s running around on this. Keeping up with 22 year olds. I don't. You might be in the greatest shape ever, but I mean, you're still. I mean, you're a 28 or 30 year old is going to run faster and be a little more mobile in area than the 50 something mid 50s to 60 year old referees. Yeah. The question is though, you know, it goes back to the whole experience debate. Is a 20 three-year-old referee can't does be 20 know the rule book enough can't be 23 yeah you got to be like 30 of course and you yeah. got to spend five years in the in the in the you minors you got to get 
the yeah. experience on the field. And you also, here's the other thing, you got to understand the rule book. You know how thick you know, Jeff. I mean, it, we, it would take us 10 shows to get through every single rule and how convoluted it is. And the special you teams be on top rules, of that. especially the special oh, teams rules are very, well, that very That should be the priority hard. before you There's even get no to question. the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. In all seriousness, because some of those are obscure. They're obscure and they, people don't know the rules. They really don't. And the guys that do know the rules are able to manipulate them a little bit more than the people that don't. Yep. They know how to pull the strings and so forth. Well, that is going to wrap up this special edition of Big Blue Kickoff Man, was Live. it special. It Woo. was, indeed. And we thank Judy Batista for weighing in on the competition committee rules. A reminder that we're going to have special Big Blue Kickoff Live programming starting on Wednesday through Friday with John Schmelk and Paul Dottino. They'll be at the Combine in Indianapolis, and they'll be back up and running here in our East Rutherford, New Jersey studios on Monday as we continue to get you set for the upcoming NFL draft as well as the start of free agency. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you a quick question. Sure. That's, okay. no, that's why want, I didn't close no, up no, shop No, yet. but I just want to know. Yes. I, for a first free agent assigned Giants, who they position. Doesn't have to be the player. Oh, position. Who's okay. It? Well, I think the defensive front is the biggest priority. So you and think I think that lineman? you need to address it in the draft. And I would say I think they're going to go after a veteran defensive lineman. Really? Okay. As a free Interior agent Interior or an edge guy? I'm going to say edge guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Because that's where I think the most needed help is. Even even with the way that the draft is this year. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, Jeff, I think that the Giants are in a position you want to add a veteran and you want to add depth through the draft. Gotcha. I think you hit it on both ways. Okay. I don't think you necessarily limit yourself to just one of the two venues. See, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the safety position. I keep saying this. No, that would be second on my list. But I just, you know, with... With the Landon Collins situation and where this is at, and 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 the, uh, it's just very interesting to me, very very interesting, and it'll soon be you know. Oh, by the way, the first franchise tag was handed out today. Did you hear that? You know, I did not see that. I was so involved in preparing to an ex giant, to an ex giant, really, at a great position, other than punter. Oh, kicker. Let's see. There were. I'll tell you, it's NFC. Wait, okay, is it Robbie Gold? Yeah, he got so San Francisco yeah. gave him the take. Yeah. It's interesting because I heard speculation that Chicago was going to maybe try to bring him back. Really? Remember after oh the yeah, of course, yeah. With what went on with Parky. Well, that's probably why they franchised. So him. the Niners used the tag. I know Stephen Gaskowski's another candidate for the franchise yeah. tag. They, you know, the kickers okay. they they get it. They it happens all the time. Kickers and punters. Yeah. Because it's, well, because it's inexpensive. It's, it's not. It's, it's inexpensive. Overwhelming. It's not overwhelming. Exactly. You know. I'm kind of disappointed you didn't bring this up at the top of the show, Jeff. You let me hang it for uh, uh, 60 plus that, minutes. We could have had all conversation about Robbie Gold <laughs> on Big Blue Kickoff Live. With that being said, that is going to wrap up shop. Special thanks to everybody weighing in, those of you who are listening, and once again, stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest regarding the Combine and more. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.